All right. Again, a very good morning to each and every one of you present this morning in this assembly, in our virtual online worship session as well. And welcome to the assembly and worship of the Kota Kamuni Church of Christ. This being the first Sunday of the year, I have the privilege and honor of addressing you. Um, and two years ago, on the last Sunday of the year, I had the privilege of addressing you. So I see this as a trend. Maybe it will repeat. So um, as I reflect upon our assembly this morning, um, I'm grateful to be standing here um, to share with you this message. And as I think about it, uh, 364 days ago, this time last year, we were sitting down in the comfort of our homes, listening in to Brother Andy as he preached to us on the topic, I Surrender All. That was the first sermon of 2021. And a year has passed, and what a year it has been. We said that about 2020, and we'll say it again about 2021. What a year it has been. You know, Brother Eng did a splendid job um, last night, recapping all the highlights and some of the lowlights as well of 2021. And all I can say is that I am very grateful and thankful to our Lord that this morning I can be here and see each one of you in person, that you are in good health and in good spirits. And I pray and hope that it will continue on for 2022. We may not be fully free of the, the grasp of COVID-19, and we may not ever be, perhaps, but at least we will continue working for the Lord regardless. For 2022, the elders in their wisdom have chosen the theme fit for the master's use. And as we plan our activities and as we look forward to fellowshipping together in 2022, we're all going to be emphasizing on what it means to be a productive worker for the Lord, a person, a Christian, a vessel that the Lord can use in his house and in his kingdom. That's what Christians are. Christians are people who are workers in God's vineyard. And it is my prayer that this year will continue to be a fruitful one for all of us. And as we think about the idea of being fit for the master's use, Brother Kai did a fantastic job in reading for us from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 26. And that's really where the bulk of the lessons for the month of January is going to come from. So, for the five Sundays in January, we're going to be touching on four topics that are geared help us understand a little bit or hopefully a lot better on the characteristics on what a worthy vessel for the Lord's use are. So today we're going to be touching on what it means to be ready for every good work. Brother Chankun in the next week is going to touch on fleeing youthful passions and pursuing godly traits. Brother Eng will share with us on avoiding foolish and ignorant disputes. And last but not least, on the last Sunday of the month, Josh is going to tell us what it means to be gentle to all able to teach, and patient. So I look forward to hearing from all these men, all these very capable men, on what it means to be fit for the master's use. And I hope that these lessons, as we share them from this pulpit, will resonate in your mind. And as we go along 2022, it will help us to execute and carry out the theme as envisioned by our elders. Let me set the stage a little bit about today's topic, being ready for every good work. There is a lot of value in preparing. There's a lot of value in being prepared in advance. As you study in school, you will be no stranger to idioms like prepare an umbrella before the rain. Yeah, prepare an umbrella before the rain. And if you translate it to Malay, sediakan payung sebelum hujan. But if you ask my wife, she will tell you that I don't listen to this idiom because I always run in the rain. Not 
not a good practice, and especially uh, I didn't run in the recent floods as well. So I'm quite careful still, but we know the value of preparedness. Over here on the screen, I have a picture of students sitting for their SPM. And at one point in our lives, we all had to go through a major exam in high school, and we know the feeling sitting down in that table, feeling whether you are ready to answer the questions or you are completely not ready to answer the questions. Only you will know. And before you even enter into that exam hall, you would prepare your pencil, your pen, maybe your jacket, your calculator, whatever it is you need. Perhaps you will feel a lot more ready. Also on the topic and theme of readiness, Chinese New Year is around the corner, a, festiv a festivity that a lot of us will celebrate, and we look forward to it. We look forward to it. And the one thing that I value about Chinese New Year is the reunion dinner. And long before the reunion dinner even comes around, my grandmother, my, my relatives will stock up on, on food stuff, knowing that they will run out very, very quickly. It teaches us the value of readiness. But there is something else about Chinese New Year that you will observe every year on an annual basis. And it is the best example of being ready, I think, in Malaysia. And this picture really encapsulates it all. On December 25th, you will see all the Christmas decorations up. By the moment it crosses 12 a.m. or something, I'm not sure how, magically, all the decorations will start changing into Chinese New Year festive decorations. Very efficient, very fast. The malls are ready, and we will be too. But as we talk about readiness, very recently we are also reminded about the consequences of not being ready of not foreseeing the consequences, the catastrophic, disastrous result of being unprepared. The residents of Selangor were awakened very rudely to the severe flooding that hit us just a couple of weeks back. And many parts in, you know, for many parts in Selangor, we are still recovering from it. Whatever we did, whatever the residents did, the local authorities, the governments, it was not enough and we were caught off guard. So, as we talk about being ready, the wisdom of being ready, being prepared is still so relevant today. If we want to succeed in anything in life, in our relationships, in our marriage, in our parenting, in our career, even cooking a simple dinner at home, it will help if we are prepared as we take it head on. And isn't it true as well if we want to be a fruitful and productive Christian in the Lord's vineyard. So I invite you this morning as we open up the Bible, not just to open up your Bible, but open up your mind, open up your heart as we discuss on what it means to be ready for every good work. The first thing I want to share with you today is to be aware. To be aware. What is it that we need to be aware about? What is it that we ought to know as Christians? For one, if we want to be ready to do every good work, shouldn't we know what good work is? What is good? How do we define good for us? Do we look to the dictionary to define what is good? Should we look to the majority consensus in Malaysia? Say, for example, if we take a poll tomorrow and all Malaysians or the majority of Malaysians agree that anybody can walk into the bank and take how much money they want. doesn't matter where the money comes from. Will that make it good? Do we listen to science 
experts, health experts, psychology experts that can tell us how to live our lives or perhaps social media influencers on how we should dress, how we should talk, how we should spend our money. But what about defining it for ourselves? I get to define what is good for me. Kimberly gets to define what is good for her. It's her birthday today. She can maybe, you know, in some parts of the USA, it's your birthday today, it's 21, you do whatever you want to do. Doesn't matter. Some people live their way like that. I define what is good for myself. I don't care what you have to say about it. If only we had a manual in life, if only we had something to guide us, if only we had something to tell us the truth about what is good and what is acceptable. But let's be thankful to God today that we have that in the form of a Bible, the Word of God that we can refer to. So today I want to invite you to turn to our first scripture as we examine Mark chapter 10, and we're going to be reading from verse 17 and also verse 18. What you will read here is an encounter or a conversation between the person that we know as the rich young ruler and Jesus Christ. So Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 18. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This young man was interested in a question that we all should be interested in. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? As important as this question was, I want us to focus on the response that Jesus gave to this young man. Jesus didn't answer him straight away, but he questioned this young man on something. So read with me, please, in verse 18. Verse 18, so Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. And then Jesus went on to answer this young man. But I find the response that Jesus gave so interesting. Jesus has given us the answer on what is good. God is good. God is the definition of goodness. Anything that has to do with God is good. His will is good. When we follow His will, when we understand what it is to seek and to save that which was lost, when His will is our will, that's good. His examples, His attributes, when He tells us, when he demonstrates that he's a loving God, a kind God, a, a, a God of justice, and when we embody those attributes, that is good. His commandments that we find in the Bible, when he tells us, don't steal, don't lie, and when we obey those, that is good. We know what is good because God is good and God tells us what is good, and we can read for ourselves in this book that we have. The Apostle Paul tells Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 17, a very important statement that we all should remember. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 17. Verse 17 reads, That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's what we are talking about today, isn't it? How to be ready, how to be prepared, how to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What Paul says here to the young preacher Timothy is that, it's possible. You can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He doesn't just tell Timothy that it can be done. But if you look in verse 16, it reads here, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What is the key? What is the method in which a man can be complete 
and ready unto every good work. It is the word of God that we can understand and know about God's goodness and what is meant to be good. There are many things in the Bible as we study it, we know are good and evil. It is some, some of them are as clear as black and white, but maybe sometimes we might struggle a little bit with those things in between, the gray areas, the areas that are not so clear. Let me give you a couple of examples. Maybe you are offered a new job, a great job, which requires you, unfortunately, to be very far away from your family. On the one hand, you will earn three times the amount of money that you used to earn, and that's a lot. You can provide for your family a lot better. But on the other hand, you'll be separated from them. You'll be placed in a remote location where there is no nearby church. Good or bad? Maybe it's the holiday season, and you have a choice between attending a church seminar, attending a lectureship, or maybe you can book a stay at a hotel in Pahang and you've not had a family holiday in two years. How do we decide, good or bad? The thing is, brethren, the Bible doesn't tell us each and every answer that we need to know, but a lot of principles are shared within. We won't have time to look through all of them today, but what I do want to touch on is this very important verse in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 to 14. And if we flip there very briefly, Hebrews chapter 5, Verse 12 to 14. In verse 14, the Hebrew writer exposes to his readers that solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their, ex their senses exercised to discern between both good and evil. Christians are people who don't just sit on the knowledge of good and evil. But here, what we find is that they are to use it, to exercise it. And over time, as we get better at understanding what is good and evil, we are able to decide for ourselves all these things, not just in the black and white, but also the gray in between. But if we have the knowledge, we do nothing about it, then it is for naught as well. So, as we talk about being ready for every good work, the first thing we need to know is what is good. We have to be aware. And being aware means being knowledgeable in the Word of God. Let me move on to the next point. Number two, not only does a Christian need to be aware, but number two, a Christian ought to be available as well. A Christian ought to be available. In this audience here, and also for everyone who is viewing online, we're all blessed with different abilities, different gifts, resources, different opportunities and experiences in life. Some of us here are very confident in public speaking, whereas others may not be. Some of us here have had many opportunities to, to learn how to be a good cook, and some of us here may not be very good in the kitchen. Some of us here are very creative people. You give them a, a piece of paper and a pen, and they'll give you a masterpiece, and, and some of us, creativity is not our strong suit. Maybe for some of us here, we have prepared and taught 10 lessons, but others maybe 100 or maybe 1,000 even. And many of us here who are working class adults, maybe your career has lasted 30 years, or perhaps it's just started out in the first three years. And let me tell you, all these things that I have just mentioned, be it your creativity, your ability to speak out in public, how good you are as a cook, all these things won't matter as long as you don't put up your hand and say, 
Lord, use me. It will not matter at all if you are not available. It will not matter at all unless, as we have sung in the song just now, Isaiah, the prophet, saying in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, he says to God, Here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. Case in point, I want to talk a little bit about the prophet Jonah. The prophet Jonah, some say that he is the most successful prophet in, in the Bible. And this is a joke that I heard actually from a 4 C's lecture. Um, some say he's the most successful prophet because he converted the entire kingdom or the entire city of Nineveh with just eight words. Okay, with just eight words. Um, so the picture that was painted by the preacher was something like Jonah marched into the gates of Nineveh and said eight words and the whole city was converted. And I would love to believe that was the case, but I perhaps not as well. And what are the eight words that Jonah mentioned? In Jonah chapter 3 and verse 4, these are the eight words. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. With these eight words, the whole city of Nineveh, 120,000 people at least, changed their hearts, repented, all the way from the king at the top to the peasant at the bottom. But here's the thing. If we recognize Jonah as a successful prophet, as a successful messenger of God, as persuasive as he is, as influential as he was, he was in the first place reluctant to go. He didn't even want to go and be God's messenger in the first place. When God reached out to Jonah and asked him, Jonah, go to the city of Nineveh, and preach and send my message to them. Jonah didn't just keep quiet. He didn't just shy away. He didn't lower his hand. He ran away from God and tried to hide completely from him. Jonah was unavailable and God could not use him. God could not use someone who does not want to be used. As I was preparing this lesson, I, I recently had this um, wonderful pleasure of Having a meal with uh, Brother Ejin. Some of you may know Brother Ejin. He came back from Singapore recently and spent some time with the brethren here. And as we talked over lunch, we discussed a lot of topics about work because we are both in the same industry. We talked about life in Singapore and what it was like. We talked about church life and how he was serving in Jurong. But I think the, the, the most memorable conversation that I have with him that day was what it felt like or what his experience was growing up being the son of a full-time preacher. Okay. What it felt like growing up as a son of a full-time preacher. And, and as he shared his experiences with me, I find, I find it interesting and I find it sometimes hard to understand how Brother Engbun made the choice that he made. Why would he leave a well-paying job to become a preacher, a full-time preacher? And it's, it's no open secret that he doesn't pay as good as the CEO of, of some big company. Brother Yijin shared that he works long hours, that he's preparing multiple lessons a week in English and in Chinese. He studies with many people. He travels long distances. And you know that every time there is a funeral somewhere, you, you know he's going to be there. He's going to be there. He's going to be there for the dearly departed among us. And he, Brother Yijin is in absolute awe of his father for all these things. He respects his father because he says, I don't think, I'm not sure if I can make that decision. Because here's the thing, when I think about someone who is available, that's the man that I have in my mind. He's closer to home than you think. Brother Engbun may not be the most eloquent speaker, 
He may not be the most well-to-do man or self-sufficient man or, or anything, but let me tell you, he has certainly made himself very, very available in the service of the Lord. And God has used him to a great extent. As much as he is an, an encouragement to me, I hope he will also be an encouragement and example to you as well. God would rather have a one-talent man who will be willing to use that talent than a ten-talent man that refuses to use that talent. God would rather have someone productive in his vineyard with what he has been blessed with. So today, how can I be connected? How can I be available? If you're sitting down here and you're thinking, Brother Elvin, I'm not so available right now, but I want to make myself available. I want to avail myself in the kingdom of the Lord. Let me tell you, in, in this congregation, uh, um, when Annabelle um, changed the membership from Section 17 to KK, the first, one of the first things that she mentioned was, wow, there's so much work to be done. If I raise my hands and ask for work, work will come to me. And, and that's the way that it is. There will always be work to be done if you raise your hands and ask. Let me suggest, if you want to be available, be connected. Look out for opportunities. Maybe you are flipping through the bulletin and you see, hey, there is a ladies' fellowship coming up. Maybe I can do something about it. But if we don't read the bulletin in the first place, we may not know. Perhaps sometimes we have a habit, and I'm guilty of this sometimes. The group chat, the WhatsApp group chat, plenty of messages. Happy birthday! And then maybe in between, we might miss an announcement for something. Let's pay a bit more attention to be connected. And if you're not sure, you can always ask the ministry leaders and they will be able to guide you and point you towards the right direction. Something that I want to emphasize on is mentioned very, very timely and time again, we read it in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and verse 25. Allow me to read to you from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and verse 25. Verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. The Hebrew writer emphasized so much on the value of assembly. Let's be reminded that when, when these words were put to pen, on, from pen to paper, there was no such thing as Zoom. There was no such thing as the internet. When the church was meant to gather, it, wasn't, it was implied that you will gather in a physical location. And we know from the, from the two years of being separated by the pandemic, nothing beats face-to-face -face where I can see you, where I can smile at you and tell you that you're okay or ask you, are you okay? Nothing beats that. We are all commanded to provoke one another unto good works, to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, and we cannot do that if we do not assemble. And one more suggestion that I have is to be open. Perhaps you might feel that you're not so good at preparing a lesson or not so good at digital poster creation. Let me tell you what, no one is going to judge you and say, because you're not good, you cannot serve here. Be open. And, and where I learned this from is from the example of many brethren here, but also when I read the account of Nehemiah in chapter 3, Nehemiah chapter 3, what I can see there and what I read there is that everybody was involved in the reconstruction of the walls, from the priest to, to the man in, on the street, to the, to the worker, to the laborer, everyone was involved. And, and I can imagine, perhaps in their lifetime, not all of them had a career as builders. 
not all of them had a career as stonemasons. Maybe some of them were fishermen. Maybe some of them were, were, were soldiers in the army. But they all put their hands together to build the wall of Jerusalem. If you are open to trying, if you raise your hand, help will be there. And no one will say, I don't need you. Be open, be connected, and you will be available in the Lord's service as well. So, number one, we ought to be aware and we ought to know. Number two, a Christian who is ready for every good work has to be available to do that work. And number three, be adequate. Be adequate. Some of us might be thinking, when we read 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, when, when Paul writes to young preacher Timothy and says, be ready for every good work. Some of us might be tempted to think, or some of us might be concerned in our hearts that, oh, I need to do everything in church. Uh. Everything that comes my way. If somebody asks me, hey, Brother Elvin, I need you to preach a sermon for the next three months, I need to say yes. Uh. Where is the limit? If somebody comes up to me and, and asks me to do that, must I say yes? Because I need to be prepared for every good work. Some of us might be concerned that church work will tire us out and burn us out and people are just going to make the best use of us and, 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 and drive us down like, like slaves. Must I be, um, you know, like, like a, for, a man, for a man to serve on the pulpit, must I learn how to lead song, pray, preach, teach, and then only I'm qualified to be on the pulpit? Brethren and friends, that, that is certainly not the case. When, when Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and says, be ready for every good work, He's not trying to tell Timothy that literally you must do everything by yourself. You must say yes to everything. Even when you cannot, you have to say yes. That's not the message there. But do every good work that you can within your reach, within what is reasonable. Many of us might be very zealous to accomplish a lot. But the reality, brethren and friends, is that we are human beings. I can only be at one place at one time. As much as I would love to be here and perhaps preach in four other locations and share this message, I cannot. I have to make a choice to be here and serve within my limits. As much as you would like to do so much more that you can, you, you and I have the same 24 hours and we have to choose and do what is within our limit. We have to do what is adequate for us. We cannot do all the good work that there is to do, but we certainly can do all the good works that are within our reach. What I'm trying to share with you this morning is that God will not expect you to do something beyond your ability. He will not ask you to fly when you cannot even walk. When I think about this, I think about the parable of the talents. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to, 20, to 30, we are familiar with this story. There was the man with one talent, the man with two talents, the man with five talents. And, and the thing that I find interesting is that when the man with two talents went away with, with those two talents and, and, and invested or worked with it, and he produced two more talents, he came back to the master, and the master said that he was a good and faithful servant. The master didn't say, hey, you, I gave you two talents. You bring back two talents. Why can't you be like the five-talent man? Why didn't you bring five talents to me out of the two talents that I gave to you? Why didn't you bring ten talents to me even though I gave you two talents? God is a reasonable God. And if you can do only so much and you are doing so much, 
then so much has been done. None of us are mutants or superheroes. We cannot do more than what we are humanly able to. Similar, we, we apply a similar concept to giving as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1 and 2, we read about the principle to give on the first day of the week. And nobody knows this amount except you and God. But let me tell you, if you are not, if, if you are earning, say, 5,000 ringgit a month, God is not going to ask you to put in 10,000 into that because you cannot afford it. You, you have a family to feed and all that. I, I, and I cannot compare myself to someone who is earning that much, who can afford that much. But if we are, if we are earning more, then it behooves. We are behooved then to contribute, commensurate to what has, God has blessed us with. When I consider the example of Peter in Luke chapter 22 and verse 33, the Apostle Peter he is infamous for um, a lot of things, being very outspoken, being the somewhat representative of the Apostles, the spokesperson of the Apostles. But in Luke chapter 22 and verse 33, Peter claimed very boldly to Jesus Christ that he was ready to go to prison and die for Jesus. The word was that, Lord, I am ready to go to prison and die for you. But when he was questioned by the mob, he fled. He fled. Might we be too eager sometimes um, on, the, on the other side of the coin? You know, we say yes to everything. We think we are very ready. We overload ourselves and then without thinking about it, perhaps we might face burnout or discouragement. We are biting off more than we can chew. But here's the thing about the Apostle Peter. In the book of Acts, he was later imprisoned in the name of Jesus Christ. And not only that, tradition holds it. I'm not so sure whether the records are true, but he was also a martyr. He was killed. So in the end, truly, he did go to prison and truly, perhaps, he did die for God. He came back and he did so much more than what he, than what he originally thought he would probably would do. So what I'm trying to share here is that we have to be adequate with our service to God. A ready worker is one who knows his limits. One will not push too far, yet do his very best to serve God to the very best of his ability. We need to be realistic. So, to be aware, to be, to be available, and to be adequate. And I want to close uh, my short sermon this morning by maybe reflecting a little bit on what it, you know, once, once, it, once all is said and done, once I've digested everything that Brother Alvin has to say this morning, how do I know if I'm ready? Um, I get this question a lot before I got married and after I got married because people keep asking me, how do you know that it's time to get married? How do you know that this is the woman? And sometimes, uh, the, the, I need to be careful what I say here, but you know, sometimes I just say, uh, I know, I know. I don't know why, but I know, and, and it's time. So, you know, Single men, uh, single ladies, if you know, you know, you know, and it's time, it's time. But when it comes to being ready to, to do God's work, to be ready for every work, maybe the best way that I can encapsulate it and summarize it for you this morning is in the form of an archer. Sorry, the, the font is a little bit out, but the verse that we're going to be reading from is from Psalms chapter 21 and verse 12. I encourage you to turn there as we read together Psalm chapter 21, verse 12. 
Verse 12 reads, Therefore, you will make them turn their back. You will make ready your arrows on your string toward their faces. The way that I think about a person who is ready to do God's work is like an archer. You are holding that bow and you have an arrow in your hand and you are pulling on the drawstring so hard and you are ready to fire. You feel the pressure, you feel the load in your hand and you're just waiting for a target and you're eager to release at any moment. So when I consider myself and my service to God in, in Kota Kamuning and for other churches, I ask myself, am I ready to go at any moment? If the opportunity arises, am I going to raise my hand and say, yes, I'm available, I want to do it, sign me up? Or am I not even there? And we have to consider for ourselves where we are with our Lord, whether or not we are ready to serve Him or not. Because here's the thing. Jesus is a ready person. Jesus, our God is a ready God. In, in John chapter 14 and verse 3, Jesus tells us that He has gone to prepare a place for us. He is preparing a, a place for us in heaven. And you've heard it said many times, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Just like everything in life, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. We spend a huge portion of our lives preparing to excel in our interviews, in our exams, in our businesses. We, we, we spend a great deal of time bonding with our friends and our family. And, and in this life that we're going to live is only for about a short 70 or 80 years. We spend so much time perfecting and, and, and enhancing this life, but have we failed to consider that the life after, we cannot count it with numbers. There is no numerical value that I can attach to eternity. Eternity is eternity. After what feels like 100 million years, it is but the first day. If we are preparing so much for this life, if we are ready so much for this life, shouldn't we be ready for the afterlife? as well. That is the message that I want to leave with you this morning as we consider about what it means to be ready for every good work. As a Christian, let us know what our God expects from us. Let us know from His Word what is good, what is evil, and everything in between so that we can decide on what is a good work. Let us be available. Let us be there. Let us be present. Let us raise our hands when the need arises. And last but not least, let us also work within what we can. We can't do everything, but together we can certainly do more than we can alone. For our friends, for the non-Christians, for, for, for the visitors that we have in our midst, we have to, you, I would invite you to consider, are you ready? Are you ready for the appointment that is coming? There is an appointment that is coming that each of us has to attend, and that appointment is death. Like it or not, we will all face God, Jesus will be our judge and we have to be ready with an answer. Otherwise, he will be ready with an answer that we may not like to hear as well. The song of encouragement has been selected. I hope this morning you have been encouraged. If you have questions, feel free to ask any one of us in Kota Kamuning. We'll be happy to attend to you. Thank you for your attention. I need to brother Sam.